0: In this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark and Sam Robertson, oh boy, do we get honest. And we talk about life as a prophet. We share some very personal things. And we answer questions about what goes on behind the scenes of stewarding and living a life of revelation. You will not want to miss this episode of What the Prophets Say. See you soon. Well, hello, our loyal and faithful and amazingly beautiful and talented listeners. Yes, I'm talking to you where you are, anywhere in the world. Welcome to another episode of What the Prophets Say with myself, Emma Stark, and the glory that is...
1: Sam Robertson.
0: Sam Robertson. We have taken all the stuff off the table. No notes, no phones, no pens, no previously prepared prophetic words... And Sam and I just decided to ask each other questions about life as a prophet. Mm-hmm. And we hope we ask the right questions and that provokes each other to helpful answers. But we are we are setting ourselves a challenge today to poke around in each other's heads to understand what it's like to think and steward Revelation, to be the prophet, to find our controversial moments, our challenge moments, all of that kind of thing. So we're sitting a little bit exposed. Are you feeling some?
1: Yeah, good. I'm, I'm excited for the conversation. I think as well for me, um, those of you who have journeyed, you'll know um, I'm out on my way to getting married, and personally, yes. just in my relationship with my fiance, we've been having this conversation where she's like, "To me, what's it really like inside your brain or your emotions as a prophet?" And actually, the more I discuss it, the more I realize inside a prophet is particularly peculiar, and the prophet world is a strange thing. Yeah. And I do think probably for those of you you who listen to us and watch our lives, you must ask the question, what's it like being a prophet? What's mm-hmm. it like doing what you do? And I think, you know, it's great that we get to come and prophesy over you. It's yeah. great that we got, get to come and bring you words. But we wanted to have a real honest dialogue of, let's just for a moment let you in on our worlds, our inner worlds, and um, not just the high moments, because I really don't want to glamorize. The yes. prophet, because sometimes I think that can be really unhelpful. But just talk about those moments where we go, oh, this is actually what not the easiest. What happening? have I got myself into yeah. here? When I say Jess, I didn't quite expect this. And ask the questions around that. Um, so hopefully in this episode, you'll get to learn a bit more about who we are as prophets.
0: As well. And not just in terms of learning about you and I, but I think for our loyal listeners, many of whom sit in prophetic office Absolutely. or have very robust prophetic gifts, but but some of them actually untapped and undeveloped yet into their full mm. place, that there should be moments where you're going, oh, oh, yes, that's me. I get it. I'm not just my own little peculiarity off there in a corner yeah. by myself, but I'm actually... Um, normal for my tribe yeah. and my pack that I should be running Absolutely. with.
1: Yeah. yes. So I wonder if we can start here with this question.
0: Oh, I was going to ask you first. I was going to throw I'm this. No, but <laughs> this is here we go.
1: Out of all the fivefold offices, the prophet is probably the most provocative. Yes. And not just by voice, but by atmosphere. And when a prophet walks into a room, before we've said this before we've said anything and we can walk in as subtly as possible Mm -hmm. people often either immediately love you or immediately don't and I do think I would like to talk about the provocative nature of the atmosphere the prophet carries and what that actually feels like because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are prophets do struggle in the earlier days with being liked and not liked Mm -hmm. and not just by personality and actually often it's you've said nothing and people have made up their mind because of how you turn up and i think for our listeners i would like to talk for a moment about how we deal with that what it's like and Mm -hmm. actually having to just get used to the fact that by nature and call and design Mm -hmm. you provoke people just by being who you are
0: Man, Sam, you started with the difficult
1: question. You went right in there. I I had it rehearsed, and I thought, "There's a pause here. I'm going in with it straight away." (laughs) (laughs) Literally, I thought, "I've got my moment."
0: Well, I'm very impressed by your speed there, and now you're asking me, but we'll come back to you on it. Yes, and the choice um, to keep walking into rooms when you know that's who you are, and to not retreat. Let, Let me go back a step to answer the question in terms of understanding the role of the prophet within the body of Christ let's describe the body of Christ like a jigsaw puzzle and everybody has a piece of the story of who God is and how they echo and reflect who God is Mm -hmm. And some in in his nurture as the shepherd, some in his uh, reflect God in how he teaches us, that's the teacher and so on and so forth and we, we don't know it all, and we're not the elite trumpets, but we have a portion that reflects our God. And our portion is always, come on, be holy, because he's holy. Come on, get right before God. Come on, let's put things right, let's get some things right. And so because the standard for the prophet is to assess either where something has gone wrong or what needs to happen to walk forward, or what needs destroyed to receive the new, there's always a sense of the prophet of wanting change, of wanting holiness, whereas somebody with shepherding and nurturing grace is often wanting safety, whereas the prophet is often about fairly high risk to bring about transformation. So that is, as you rightly say, by call or by anointing. So when the prophet is in the space or you are in their space or under their shadow or in an organization that's profit led and the atmosphere of that anointing is everywhere it's a little bit like who jittery on occasions uh. because it's continually provocative and my father who's a shepherd teacher always says Emma not everybody likes it and not everybody survives around it because it is so exposing
1: mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, it's funny, I just had a conversation literally with our team, what, two hours ago outside in the coffee room, outside this recording studio, where I'm putting my hand on my children's head and I'm able to get a sense of what um, types of games they were playing on the Xbox or what websites they were on because you so sense and feel in this spirit that you are aware of the imprinting of the world on them. My children find it incredibly frustrating yeah. because I am say, I put my hand in, let me just wipe that off you. or I. And we're very much in that scripture where Elijah says to Elisha, was not my... S- no, not Elisha, sorry. Elijah says to Gehazi, the, yeah. was not my spirit with, with you yeah. when you spoke to Naaman. Yeah. Um, and the whole sense of, the, of our spirit or being there or understanding or perceiving. So when we walk into a room, people either feel like they're being seen, which they are, they are. Or they feel like I'm irritated because you're provoking, provoking or
1: exposing totally, and you know just. Uh, I didn't answer your question. No, no but but but, uh, but you led us somewhere. You know, my yeah. sister, um, and my siblings, and uh, my fiance Bella would often say, "Don't do that profit stuff on me." You know, where you just what's wrong? How do you know something's wrong? I just do because <laughs> do I you know do. because I'm a prophet, and that mm-hmm. sense you can't turn it on or off. It's just so yeah. hardwired into who we are, and some friendships. Yeah can hold that but I noticed as I got older and more mature in my call there were some friendships that I actually just couldn't bear the weight of and couldn't feel Safe, even, or couldn't feel settled in a friendship with yes. a prophet, and there are others who gloriously step in and fill mm-hmm. that. And I do feel that for some of our listeners who maybe have the pain of a loss of a friendship, mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. sometimes it's not even a loss of a friendship; it's mm-hmm. just a realignment where someone takes a couple of steps back. But yeah. actually, it is you. You've got to get comfortable and secure in that part of your call. Okay, so now we're now we're pushing into some very painful issues. Yeah,
0: and. Let let me jump back to w- what's it like to walk into a room. I think um, the privilege of the call is never lost. Absolutely. And the tenderness of being one that God allows to hear his voice is never lost. And for me, the medicine to my soul and spirit and my emotions is always the sweetness of hearing him. Mm. That above everything, I get to hear his voice. Now, as a prophet, that is a, such a a motivating factor. Nice. God, I get to hear you, I get to hear you. Never let that die. Never let that, that be lost for me, the sheer joy of your voice and the proximity to your voice. And so when I'm praying, Um, I don't know how other anointings pray because I've never been in their head, Mm. but I know how the prophet prays. Oh God, what I would love to do is to grow old, never having lost the sound of your voice. I want my children and my children's children to hear your voice. Um, Whereas I'm sure a teacher might pray to know truth but my prayer is because of the value is for his voice oh god may it never be lost from my generational line that they would hear your voice and know your sign and have proximity to who you are so in the value for that it almost eases walking into rooms where you know that you're provocatively challenging before you've even opened your mouth Mm. that sometimes there are moments where you've had a rough day you're sleep deprived you know you, like like myself recently I've had some jaw surgery yeah. um, or there's maybe physical pain in your body yeah,
1: you're sensitive uh, you're, you're, you're body having body a sensitive body.
0: moment and actually you don't want your anointing to yeah. be provocative you actually just want uh, a little bit of TLC and nurture but you have to kind of know that certainly in ministry settings, friendship settings are different, in ministry settings, in church context, in even walking into an optician or a dentist, you come in with this place where you're you're bringing a a question and a challenge to the people by anointing, but the medication is God. Even though I might be a provocation on the earth, my joy is the privilege of hearing your voice. Yeah.
1: And there's this beautiful verse in Jeremiah chapter 23 and he's having a bit of a good old Jeremiah complaint, you know, a Mm moan that the people aren't listening. And it says something along the lines of, um, for 23 years it's been, I've got up before the sun rises Mm -hmm. every morning and I've heard your voice God and the people, they've not listened. And he goes into this rant, but it finishes with the sweet concept of, but if for another 23 years, that's what I get to do, it's enough. I'll enough. keep going and that sense of even if in that ministry mm-hmm. space there's resistance for 23 years he was prophesying. Nobody mm-hmm. listened to the guy mm-hmm. the poor guy had a rough time but he's like actually mm-hmm. getting up before the sun rises and hearing your voice God mm-hmm. it's enough it's enough yeah. and that medication I think for the prophet mm-hmm. is is sweet actually it, it is a real sweetness the, hear of, the hearing of, of the voice I of God. I do think
0: that we all need irrespective of call and anointing but specifically and especially for the prophets safe soul friends yes, totally who can actually enjoy your extremes <laughs>
1: yeah
0: because the prophet is a person prone to extremes and again by call yeah and by design um, by design of god and uh, i we had a very sweet moment um you and I, uh, Monday and Tuesday in my mm. house, where some of our prophet friends were visiting and mm. you were there, and we're having dinner together on Monday night of this week. And it's one of those very rare places yeah. where there was there was 12 of us around the table, and most were full-blown traveling, ministering okay. prophets. And, the honesty was, and the wit was almost acerbic, totally. and the joy at yeah. the same time. And I sat in the room, and we were laughing away, and being very um,
1: extreme. Our, extre- our most extreme selves.
0: And. It's a rare moment to be in a room with that, with, with that where it's completely safe.
1: Totally. It's actually and quite emotional. It's in this quite some, emotional. Yeah.
0: And your guard is down because actually you have to be yeah. seen on occasions. Your heart has got to be seen on occasions. And the, the joy of being understood mm. for all of us, to be seen and to be understood, no matter what our call is, is a place we must contend for. Yeah. And we must walk towards that. And we must choose to invest in that. And if there's not those deep soul friends, you must source them, invest in them, have a go. Because it's not not always obvious who is going to be that. So most of us sit in some degree of loneliness most of us sit in some degree of not feeling seen or understood, but you have to you have to make a decision to invest where you think it might turn out well. And even if in a time or two it doesn't turn out well, you must always choose to never fully disengage or retreat, but to have the grace to pick yourself up or give yourself grace to pick yourself up and ask God for strength to go again, to invest in life giving relationships Mm. because without being seen how can you be sharpened absolutely without true praises of vulnerability how can you find out whether your inner workings are right or wrong unless your guard is down how can you truly process your inner world you got to find and invest in those places
1: And the conversation wasn't super quote unquote profit in terms of what's God saying to that nation no. and round the table. But what happened because we had that, and most of us mm-hmm. round that table, to be honest, all of us, we have a longevity of friendship and have been in and each yeah. uh, in and out of each other's lives for for years. But afterwards, we had probably a twenty four hour period. We met at various points throughout it where we went deeper in the spirit together yeah. than maybe any other time before. And I do think it was those moments of vulnerability and scene and just being our most extreme self where there was a safety that yeah. then God says, now as a as friends, I can trust it's, you too.
0: It's, it's friends. And actually I think you'd, you've been giving people lifts back to stations. Yeah. So by the time we come to the end of our two day retreat, I'm sitting in my office uh, with two of my closest prophet yeah. friends. Uh, one a girl and one a guy and myself, so the two two girls and I got the three of us in the room, and and the children are in bed and my dad's in bed and David's working in another room, and um, we sat till about one in the morning. Um, I don't know when you guys had gone, but it, we, did you leave us about nine o'clock?
1: Yeah, nine ten. Yeah.
0: So we'd spent another four hours. Yeah all we had talked about was the debriefing of our hearts and our role in the journey that we'd had for the last handful of months together Um, and the sense of like (gasps) the need to take that (gasps) and unburden and to go well what about this and what do you think about this and um, uh, am I processing this right and how am I thinking about that situation that situation because truly iron sharpens iron and But can I tell you, that for every single person I know is hard fought for.
1: Yeah, oh, totally.
0: So I don't misunderstand and think, oh, when profits get together, that comes easily. You know when like-minded people get together, you often have one upmanship Mm -hmm. and jealousy and competition because you work within the same space and I think that's the downside of it that similar anointings can get very competitive. Pastors all look at who's got the biggest church Mm -hmm. apostles all look at who's got the most international Mm. of you know organisations and movements.
1: Evangelists the most saved. Totally
0: totally. and prophets do the same in their own jealousy who brought the right word and who had the ear of which king you know all of that stuff is in the mix but you you, again I feel like I'm um, repetitious but with a point you must make time to put food on the table and people in your space and choose the vulnerability, will everybody get it? No, within 30 minutes, you'll know whether they can bear the weight of your personality and who you are. And then you just have a pleasant evening and goodbye and give them a hug and they become, a, a you know, an outer court friend. But you got to invest in those
1: inner court soul inner, friends. You've
0: got to find them and you've got to do it over and mm-hmm. over and over. Put food on the table, see if they can bear your weight, see if they can get your heart. And you you it, you just can't not do it.
1: It's, it's it's a matter of survival and thriving for the prophet especially because of the tendency to retreat. To yes. actually, no, I will not retreat. I will put myself there. I'll put myself at the table. I will let myself be seen. I will let myself be known. I will let myself be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And the the you know for some it's painful in those mm-hmm. beginning months, but. Truly, I mean, I don't know what you would say, Emma. Mm-hmm. I couldn't bear the weight of what my call is and what I need to do if I didn't have those soul friends. Yes. It is essential um, uh, mm-hmm. for, for for what we bear as prophets and mm-hmm. for the lives we lead, um, travelling and prophesying and all and broadcasting. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it without that.
0: And I think as well when I we talk about Iron Turning Iron, because when we're, uh, actually when you're preaching or teaching or prophesying, um, and you're trying to be an echo of who God is. You need a place to say, "Did I get the tone yeah. right? Did I overstep that? Did, yeah. did I reflect God? Did I
1: reflect, did I reflect right. God
0: rightly in that?" And you do need safe you places. Do. But apart from just the debrief about the call, um, you have to be able to say, um, "How?" Ho- help me out with this parenting issue yeah. or help me out with, you that's know. decision. Or, you know, yeah. or even the sense of like, what are you reading that's nourishing yeah. you right now? All totally. those from the banal to...
1: Yeah, don't make it too spectacular. It has yeah. to be across the breadth of life and call. It can't just be call focused.
0: I think that then enables you to do the public stuff. My public stuff, I don't always mean platform stuff. I mean, any walking into a room where you are... Seen. Seen and your anointing is loved and hated almost in equal measure.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And that's how you deal with it. In the place of having those soul friends.
0: Yeah. Yes, very much so. A a pursuit of being known. Mm. A pursuit of of being known. It's interesting, my father was preaching. I was very moved by it last Sunday. Um, I don't think there's any public access to it because it was in a a closed door setting. But he's talking about um, Adam and Eve and the fig leaves and the sense of sin immediately wanting to take you to the place of self-protection. Yeah. Shame, yeah, we talk about that a lot with in reference to Adam and Eve, but the covering with the fig leaves and the self-protection. It's a self... Yes. Shame is one thing. It's, it's a self-protection that Adam and Eve are doing in the yes. fig leaves. And so this battle to be vulnerable somewhere is massive
1: well and that i think you see that instinctively now in 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 humanity this Mm. Mm. self-protection and it comes in different forms whether it's retreating or i will show Mm. you only a performance of myself rather than the true me i think that's instinctive and we've got to be aware of it
0: i heard a awful story from one of my prophet friends it's an older, they, they told me it recently but it's 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 a story that's from years ago so there's no sense of potential of exposure because it's, it's actually decades old but we were re-talking about it um, more recently of a senior minister, senior apostolic figure and again I'm not mention which nation but um, who had just got lonely they just got lonely in ministry and they actually had a very very senior role mm. in and a great impactful job that they were doing on behalf of the many, but just overwhelmed, just overwhelmed. And their comment was, I actually chose an affair because I didn't know how to get out of ministry. Yeah, that's
1: the only way that I knew to get it out. It was the
0: only way I knew to get out of ministry. And I knew if I had an adulterous relationship, I'd be out. So I did it. Now, there's... I mean does that not provoke a million questions? Yeah. But the journey to that place of getting that isolated and that lonely. Yep. Yep. Catastrophic that very genuinely yeah, that was. Catastrophic. Ca- cat- catastrophic. Well look what your you look what your question I is. I did not expect it to go for <laughs> oh. However
1: many minutes 20 <laughs> t- minutes. T- 20
0: minutes plus. On, on, on the on the requirement for vulnerable soul friends who understand. Yeah. Um let, let let's ask maybe um, one more question of the thought process of what is the hardest thing, whether it's one moment or whether it's a consistent thing that's continually difficult, what's the hardest thing that you've ever faced um, because of the role that you have? Mm.
1: I think for me, there was certainly one moment that I would say I brought a challenging word. And there's words after that I would say is more challenging, but because it was really the first of its kind. A
0: challenging prophetic revelation yeah, it, in a public space. In a public
1: space. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, I think for me, it, it stands as a as a test. It stands as a moment, it stands as a learn, it stands probably as the most defining Mm -hmm. challenge I've had, even though other words after it were challenging and I brought a word, it was on a broadcast, Mm -hmm. you were there for a nation and, you know, reflecting on the word, I mean, it was a cutting word, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it was overtly controversial, it wasn't sided, but it wasn't saying what Others on this situation were, were saying, saying,
0: "Yeah, I remember it." And
1: um, it was a it was a by my spirit word. Mm-hmm. Be it, you know, we talked about uh, prophesying the words mm-hmm. of God as He mm-hmm. says it, no edits. It was one of those moments for me. Mm-hmm. Now the word people liked it, people didn't. Fine mm-hmm. when it's about the word, fine. But for me, what happened afterwards with friends, mm-hmm. with those who actually I had really bonded with mm-hmm. and the, the personalization of their disagreement with the word, I think took me quite some time to recover from. And yeah. you watched my journey on that yes. and you've seen how it, I dealt with that both mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of emotionally, spiritually, getting back up to prophesy mm-hmm. again. And I think the getting back up to prophesying Mm -hmm. sharp again Mm -hmm. is harder. Not just prophesying again, but I'm willing to be sharp again. I'm willing to say what God has said as he said it. But for me, it's not even that. I think it's the relational Mm -hmm. point where friendships are challenged and relationships change Mm -hmm. because of a prophetic word. And that really, I guess, for me was a great learn that it was, it mm-hmm. was it was it was a great pain if i'm being yeah, really was. vulnerable and mm-hmm. um, it took me if i'm going to be entirely vulnerable over a year properly to, to recover from yeah. um and the the remnants of the of the mm-hmm. wounding from that probably only in, in the last year fully removed mm-hmm. but what that provoked of a season of mm-hmm. truly on my knees both forced and mm. because i had to Um, and in response to God I think I wouldn't change it for the world Mm -hmm. but I've learned and there are some key lessons that in raising prophets now I want to instill in them Mm -hmm. that they don't have to walk that road and it was it's almost like if people didn't like the word that would be fine but the fact that then Mm -hmm. they didn't like me (laughs) was a challenge.
0: I think I think you're right and and of course David and I watched you you in that I mean my goodness Sam it was heartbreaking and David and I Warfare behind the scenes as you know and obviously conversations i think you're right no prophet should mind the weighing and the testing of their words testing the spirit behind our words testing the actual quality of the words you can't be precious about that and we're not and neither are you but when the attack becomes a personal i you know for me i don't i get a lot of i don't like your hair i don't like your jewelry i don't like the way you do I, i don't like it's very personal and you that you have to learn to deal with that and uh, we watched you we've dealt I've had to it's part of the journey it's part of the call it's interesting somebody said to me recently um, and I I think actually success breeds it it brings it success brings it so when God puts favour on your life and and there's success well success by earthly measurements let's say that because I think success by divine measurements might be different but success by earthly measurements, where you there's a visibility, there's a yeah, platform, there's platform, numbers, yeah. all of that stuff. Um, uh, you become a standard to criticize. Yeah. You become a currency of criticism. And a friend said to me, Emma, oh, there's two or three groups in this nation, and they don't really like what you do. And how do you feel about that? Now that's a good test of my yeah. heart. How yeah. do I how feel, do about, feel that? about that? Because, yeah. um, and I actually heard myself say this to her, and. If I can quote Tim uh, Tim Keller, who's actually not long dead, I've loved Tim Keller and his teachings. Yeah. You know, what a gift to yeah, the body of Christ! You, you what a man! And I remember watching him post something on social media mm. about his cancer, yeah. where he where it was suddenly an, uh, something that you couldn't hide. He yeah. couldn't hide, and it looked like it was an unto death type situation. He's being very honest about it. And, you know, your heart grieves because you don't want anybody to have to face that end-of-life battle. And we want to be a cancer-free zone, you know, Mm. and we want to pray that over each other. And I actually pray that most days over my church. God, in the name of Jesus, we will be a cancer-free zone. It's a statement of a a barring of the enemy. That's a side thought. But um, I watched the comments over him, and they, there was thousands that were beautiful. Yeah. And, but there were equally thousands that were like, you deserved it. And I thought, what are you like, church?
1: I know.
0: Where this is not a theological issue. No. This is not an anointing issue. This is not a truth issue. You just didn't like the man. So I watched very carefully to see, as a, so could I learn by his standard There was nothing publicly said. I don't know what he was doing behind the scenes. There was grace upon grace Mm. upon grace. And I felt in that here's a model of learning, learning to bless where there is cursing. Mm -hmm. And it's quite a skill. It really is. It is a skill to choose to not be offended and to learn to bless in a cursing. Um, And not just to say, oh, blessed are you when people... Accuse you and falsely say all sorts of things about you. But actually, I bless as a way of decontaminating yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. from unforgiveness or offense. So, very, very, very genuinely, when I hear, uh, I don't like the word, I don't like the, that thought. Or I, even when it's I don't like you yeah. or your hair or your whatever, there is a very genuine, almost now um, cultured within me, grown within me, knee-jerk reaction that says, I bless you. Mm-hmm. It's so fast. Um, I bless you. I bless you. Because we must get... I don't know, Sam, hundreds of criticisms every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not... So you, you have to it. find a, not just a survival strategy, but you have to be able to come off that call, love your children, love your... For me, love my husband, and then be able to go back to my staff and not be bleeding over them and it's done in the speed of it. i bless you that's good and i really and i don't even think i pray around unforgiveness i don't need to anymore you kind of get grow yourself yeah. into that place
1: yeah because you only need to unf- you only need to release forgiveness because you're holding bitterness towards yes. someone and when you create that instinctive i bless you there's no space for unforgiveness to or land or offense or offense to land and that's yeah. what you really we really have to work at is make me an offense free zone god teach me to be resistance, yes. resistant to being offended, to being better, and I do think mm-hmm. that that there's, that, you know, in the beginning days, you, you probably have to pray for forgiveness mm-hmm. a lot because the this the 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 defense mm-hmm. isn't up to those criticism. Whereas once you have so created that blessing mm-hmm. cycle, that blessing culture within you, it's almost like how I see it in the spirit. It's like a, a something that that just causes or deflects the yeah. curses when they come. It just pushes them off and it doesn't let and them I land. And I think these
0: things we're talking about soul friends and places that you must choose to invest in or you become a stunted version. I yeah. mean, you if you do not have soul friends, I guarantee you are a stunted version of yourself because yeah. the only measure of assessment that you've got is your own head. Yeah. That is not not, good enough enough. because we're living stones fitted together. And the same thing is if you carry offence or a sense of woundedness uh, in you, you... You are not able to prophesy without agenda. Ultimately, you'll become an agenda prophet mm-hmm. and therefore an unfaithful yeah. prophet because you will distort the word of God. Yeah. So to be a pure prophet who doesn't distort the word of God, you have got to be able to say, I bless you, I bless you, I bless That's you. Good. And now um, when people come to me and say, um, I didn't like uh, and they do. People are funny. They do feel great liberty to walk right up into your face and, and say, "I, I yeah. didn't like that." Or um, I actually feel quite calm in being able to say, "Thank you." I'll mull well that over. Uh, very genuinely thank you. I I just bless you that you brought that, and well, uh, leave it. You know, leave, yeah, leave it with it. me. Yeah. And very genuinely. And I do think there is a grace of God to do that. Yes. I think it's a learned behavior yes. it doesn't over time. Happen overnight. Um uh but you ca- you can't survive in revelation without the ability to release blessing yeah
1: yeah that's really good wow is it
0: these are these are the the real behind the scenes yes. the the behind the behind the scenes journeys they are. and um i think visibility is something that you come to never asking for a fast track never you must go through the processes and i think when we see fame in the world's eyes on tiktok where you can accrue overnight
1: yeah instant fame
0: it's almost an unsustainable yeah. place yeah unless you've gone through unless some processes through the
1: fire of testing, yeah. yeah
0: and i'm fairly sure you and i will have moments i'm fairly oh, sure yeah. somebody will get under our skin uh and we'll or we'll get too long without a good soul friend and you get a wee bit mangled in the process and you don't get it perfect every day. Um but I think
1: it's the attitude.
0: Yeah, yeah, to come back and fix yeah. it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Now that we're on this one, is there anything else that we need to you want to ask, you need to ask, you I, want I to, I need you to need ask. to ask before we
1: I think no, I I think we've hit a lot of ground. I do think in it, um I mean I got a few questions last week as well about it is how do we deal with the highs of ministry and for those who travel actually um you know you do struggle with do or do you struggle with home and and the highs and the travel and um I don't anymore. No. I used to. But I don't. Uh, and and how do you get to that place where the highs, explosives of ministry, mm-hmm. the traveling the world, the changing mm-hmm. nations in terms of words, the hard moments of mm-hmm. of changing nations and warfare? Mm-hmm. How do you? How do we deal with that as prophets to make sure that you actually mm-hmm. don't burn out or fizzle out or spiral out mm-hmm. of control? Mm-hmm.
0: I remember you and I talking about I this on
1: the phone oh, years, years, years ago. ago. Uh, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, about three homes ago for me. Three homes I remember ago? The place. Is that how we measure I, rem- I remember <laughs> the place I had the conversation because it was a moment. I just we needed some help. We
0: did, didn't we? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the problem with itinerant ministry is you can make yourself sound more brilliant than you are. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell all your best stories. So itinerant ministers can always sound like they're in perpetual revival and in the high places and they never yeah. leave them. And, then it's, <laughs> and, not the and case. then it's just not no, true. It's, it's not, not true. true for any of us. And you then can believe your own PR that you, that, you know, oh, you're the woman of God. You're the man of God. You're the the great one. And you know, and um, a lot of people are like, "Can I carry your bags?" And I'm like, "No." No. Um, now yeah. it's so, sometimes you do want in to honor. In some cultures, yeah. you honor because that's a very important uh, protocol in some cultures. But for me, it's like. Can I get my own coffee and can I carry my own back? Because actually, I don't want to be like weighted on hand and foot in the wrong sense of that, where you disconnect from reality. Um, Here, you can repeat, you know, what you thought I said to you, but what I hope I said to you you was, um, I find joy, great joy, in grocery shopping and pairing the socks. And I think you learn to say, God, initially, um, give me joy in the mundane. And again, you've prayed it so many times that to, to, you know, rummage in my bag and find a pound coin to release a, a, a trolley in Tesco's. And to fight with the, you know, the yeah. Tesco club card points, you know, to scan my yeah. to have a moment of absent mindedness where yeah. they do a double check of what I've put in my trolley and they say, You forgot to scan something, you're a thief. We're going to <laughs> check your whole trolley, which happened to me the other day. I'm <laughs> like, I'm God. so sorry. I, I promise I'm not scan. a thief. I promise I'm not a thief. So I'm standing in the Tesco's near my house in in the moment of shame where yeah. they're rescanning all my basket. And I actually you saw because there is genuinely yeah. joy in the mundane and the ordinary, and you must pray to find you it, must. because then the highs of I was in the glory of God, or I had this encounter, or I um, prophesied this thing, or I took out Jezebel over a nation, yeah. or, and even for those who don't itinerate, where it's like, oh, I, I God caught me up. I had this I amazing. Had vision, I yeah. had a vision. I had this. That you can accidentally think that that is life. Life life is everything totally. from the sock pairing to the brushing of your teeth to I had a vision of God. And if you don't learn to find joy in all of it, you dismiss the physical. You dismiss the joy of, you know, sitting on the floor in the house. You dismiss yeah. the joy of the, the everyday things that are as rich as the I took Jezebel out of a nation.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I remember the exact words you said to me and you said you need to learn, Sam, to love mopping the floor as much as you do writing a national prophetic word. That was what you said. It was after (laughs) one of those. It was about seven years ago. But, do you know, if you don't do, you, do... Sorry, do
0: you enjoy mopping the floor?
1: <laughs> I actually do. It's one of my, my more favourite chores. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah, hate cleaning windows like mopping floors. Confession. That's but,
0: because you probably confessed it.
1: I know. <laughs> I like it. I know, you. I do, but I used to say it. But Seriously, if you don't learn to love that, Mm -hmm. you'll start to measure the quality of your life according to extremes. And what starts to happen is if you have days where you aren't in extremes, in extreme encounters, you'll think you failed or you'll think something's gone horribly wrong. Mm -hmm. And I've watched that with some, even some really close friends. I I didn't have an encounter Mm -hmm. today. um, There must be something wrong. No. There's not. It's a normal day. Mm -hmm. You had to do some normal things. You had to do some laundry. You had to look after some basic parts, which are Mm -hmm. as much worship and stewarding of yourself as the high moments. And actually, also, it makes you able to sustain Mm -hmm. the, the times when you bring a prophetic word and... It doesn't go down well or there's retaliation mm-hmm. and you actually have mm-hmm. to come home and you do humble yourself because you have to mop the floor or clean the windows even mm-hmm. though it's your least favourite chore or change mm-hmm. the bed late mm-hmm. at night because you forgot to do it before you left your trip yes. and those moments ground you in a right way mm-hmm. into I think at the end of the day ultimately, God, I'm utterly dependent on you. And even Mm -hmm. in these mundane moments, I can still find you. And I think as well, you told me to learn to love that. But for myself, Mm -hmm. my own prayer um, really became, I choose to find you, God, in these moments, as Mm. much as I find you when I'm traveling and changing nations. God, I choose to find you in Mm. the laundry. And in these moments, as Mm -hmm. much as I seek to find you when I'm flying in and Mm -hmm. asking for a prophetic word, God, I choose to find you when I'm Mm -hmm. doing my groceries as much as I want to find Mm -hmm. you when I am preparing for a power hour broadcast. And the Mm -hmm. choice to find God in all of life and to find joy in all Mm -hmm. of life and to find worship and the ability to adore God in all of life is a choice to be sustainable and a choice to be trustworthy and a choice. Choice, actually, of a life fully surrendered to mm-hmm. God and not a life that is event-based or a relationship that is all about mm-hmm. moments, but a union with God yeah. that affects the entire being yeah. of, of who you are.
0: Let me tell you a couple of stories from the life of my father and and how I think um, he really set David and I up to learn some of these Life lessons, and I might get a bit emotional as I as I tell the story of my father. Uh, it's not like he's dead; he's still yeah. alive. He's, he's he's actually driving my children. Yeah. I think to a school. <laughs> show <laughs> yeah. he lives with us right now. He's he's on he's on Granddad duties right now. Um, uh, it, he talks about happiness and um, being something that you need something to happen to you to become happy. Yeah, but joy being something of a much deeper holding of you which enables you to find joy in uh, as you say mopping the floor wiping the surfaces buttering the toast for your children so um i would come home from school uh he he for years didn't have an office in the church because he's a church leader fifth generation church leader and uh he would always and i mean always be sitting reading his bible in the office that we had in the house. Office, it had about 7,000 at that point, Christian books in it, floor to ceiling. It was oh, a mess, that. there were piles of books everywhere. But I watched my father read scripture for hours every day. And I learnt about what truth can do yeah. when it it's in you and it owns you. So I was outside Earlier this week or last week, tail end of last week. And David's typing away in his computer down the stairs. It was sunny and I was on a phone call to uh, one of my friends in London chatting away. And I hear this voice and I think, oh, my dad must be on the phone. Didn't think anything of it. Go up the stairs. I'm doing some laundry in between calls, which and I walk past my dad's bedroom door. And I think, oh, he's still on the phone. And then I think, he's not on the phone. He's doing what he does. And he is reading huge chapters Outland. of Job wow. out loud. Wow. And I, and actually, I'd heard him outside. Yeah. I'd gone in to do laundry. It was and over a period of it time. It was over an extended period of time. Yeah. And, the, and the man is sta- is sitting there reading out loud huge chunks of scripture into the atmosphere all round himself so therefore he's owned by truth and i'm going man you've done that you're 70 wherever he is totally. this year you 75 or 5 of oh, am aging him and um that's all yeah. i've ever known him do and he
1: still never gets and bored he
0: still never gets bored of it so here <laughs> let me then apply that to his joy where it really matters, and I don't know how long have we this episode this is a bit be longer. About an hour. We're talking for about an hour. Yeah. I'll tell you these two stories, and then we'll let our listeners go and mull these thoughts over. Um, and they're both around my mum's death, mm-hmm. and she died uh, seven and a half years ago. Um, he she died early January. He wrote her a final Christmas card, knowing that it was days to her death. And uh, at length, now I don't even know what she would have known to read of it. And he was happy for uh, us to see it as his children and to read it over my mum as she was lying in the bed dying. And she was, it, it, she. it was pancreatic cancer. It was horrific, mm-hmm. horrifically painful death. And the loss of all her dignity and painkillers that just never caught up with where her pain was. And he's writing this card, and I share this with his permission because I think I've shared it before. And at length, he's writing to her. And I've never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. In that he starts with Jesus, I thank you. Yeah. And he's writing to her. Totally. But Jesus, I thank you. So I'm not even going to be able to finish the thought. And he talks about their lives together and all of these memories Mm. and all that she was. But in the context of the joy that Jesus had, we're all like a mess, you and I are now (laughs) completely. The joy that Jesus, what Jesus had done, because he knew that Jesus was the source of every good thing. And. Um, and then he's he's celebrating yeah. their future. he's celebrating what Jesus will have for the, in heaven, obviously there's no marriage in heaven, but yeah. celebrating heaven. And in it, I thought as I read it, Dad. You did not say, I wish this was different. You didn't criticize, you didn't condemn, you didn't have a rant, you didn't, there was Mm -hmm. nothing, there was nothing, there was nothing at all apart from joy. I mean, it wasn't even happiness because it wasn't a happy moment. No, 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 It was joyful gratitude at everything God had given him, Mm -hmm. even in her dying cancer. And I remember, re- I mean, none yeah. of us could hold it no, together, even now, seven yeah. and a half years on. And I thought, you're something remarkable. Yes. You've yeah. understood joy yeah. in the most excruciating pain.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That there is something even in horror. Yeah. that God is on the throne and that he's going to work something out for it, for our good and that even in something awful, yeah. I can say, Jesus, thank I you thank for you. who you are and what you do. Yeah, Jesus, I thank you. And, uh, you know, j- just all of that. And so then after she, it, it, the last thing he does is he reads her psalm, um, sorry, Romans 8. Yeah. And that's the last thing she ever hears yeah. from him is the reading of Romans 8. Because yeah. that's our family's favorite scripture. Yeah. Uh, uh, it just uh, yeah. m- Anytime my dad says Romans yeah. 8, we yeah. all go, <laughs> because we know <laughs> what it what means to the family. And months after her death, he says this, um, I never felt I could be angry with God. And I'm like, man. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand unrighteous anger. Mm. Because he's so in, I'm joyful in everything, that even in death, anger can't find him. Totally. So he says to God, You hurt me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: He said, Emma, I only felt I had to say it once.
1: And never again.
0: And never again. And I never felt I had the right to be angry with God. Wow! And it's just like,
1: whoa! Wow, what a man.
0: So in all of this, as I watched His life, how could I not learn what it is to be? I thank You, and there's joy to be found. Mm. There's joy to be found in maybe there's not enough in the bank account. God, how are You going yeah. to provide? So there's never the sense of ever saying, I don't have enough money. That should never come out of our minds. But there's only the, I thank you, that you're going to provide for for what we need. Yeah. it's a joy it's a joy in anticipation of provision mm. or I thank you that you're going to make this situation right or I'm grateful that I get to be here in this moment and kiss my children and tuck them into bed even though actually I'm totally exhausted yeah. and would rather be in my own bed You know, I, I thank you that I have the joy of a platform even though there's rude people yeah. in the world I thank you that I get to come home and I get to see sit you know in this place with my husband um even and you live from that place of the abiding joy of god you grow you grow the fruit i think you grow the fruit of joy love joy peace you grow the fruit of joy in the midst of the dynamic of the family and therefore everything that happens is an adventure
1: totally and that's the key
0: and, and it, th- these truths apply to no matter.
1: Absolutely. To matter what, whether it's mm. grand, mediocre, or horrifically painful, mm-hmm. everything in life with Jesus gets to be an adventure.
0: Yes. Yes, and you find, the joy. you
1: find the joy. And
0: Michael Card, oh I mean he's a golden oldie of a Christian songwriter. Yes. I don't even know whether he's alive or not. Please please me still be alive. He writes this song, it's a golden oldie. There is a joy in the journey. Mm. There's a light we can love on the way. There is a, a wonder and wildness to mm. Christ and freedom for those who yeah. obey. My mum used to play me that as a child. It was very, very old. Um And once you grow that fruit of joy, can I tell you in the midst of families, in the midst of relational crisis and anybody listening who who's going through a death or an oppression or a relational crisis, you can find a soul friend to sharpen you. You can find an ability to bless and not be offended. And you can ask for the fruit of joy to come that you might have anticipation of what God might do in this situation. Wow. My goodness me <laughs> We need to wrap up with, uh, We need to go and get a tissue and a wee lie down yeah. wow, wow, wow. <laughs> well thank you my friends For joining us at this episode Of What the Prophets Say With myself, Emma Sarkin, Sam Roberts And may you be blessed by our I hope honesty yeah. And learn mainly from my dad um, uh, About this Wild journey called life So we'll see you again for the next episode Of What the Prophets Say Thank you for listening to this episode of What the Prophets Say with me, Emma Stark. If you would like to go deeper with us, you would be very welcome to join our network, the Global Prophetic Alliance. You can find that at propheticscots.com where we have a comprehensive training program to lead you into deeper realms of the Spirit of God and encounter. If you feel a call in the Pool to Deliverance Ministry, you can download my latest e-course, which is a comprehensive overview of getting people free from demonic oppression. You'll find that at demonbusting.com. Join us on these different platforms for more interaction with Emma Stark, Sam Robertson and the GPA team.